This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far ought to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? Listening to the Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 35 of the Roundtable. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Uh, Mark, how are you doing today? You know that Andy cheated on us yesterday? What? With what? This mofo took a trip through Starkville. Didn't tell what? anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the so-called glue of this podcast, hanging out with freaking Eno, Glanville, and Stark. Oh, man. Eno. God, that guy. Andy, what do you have to say for yourself? Do you guys know how hard it was for me to pretend I know anything about baseball? <laughs> to pretend that I watched a game before the playoffs started? Okay. Like I've got I've got a Google alert set up for like Lorenzo Kane and that's my only way of taking in baseball content up until the playoffs start. That's ding, it. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well. uh, no, it was nice. It was nice working with proper podcasters, um, people who show up on time, people who uh, have insight, and uh, people who've been in a clubhouse in the last five years. So it was really great. When I have to prepare for a podcast because I'm going on with someone like Eno who does know baseball, uh, Jason Stark really knows baseball, Doug Glanville, uh, you might not know this, he played baseball, he knows a lot of baseball, and when you're when you're talking to, you know, when I'm going on a radio show and like Adam Copeland is a guy who knows baseball, and he is someone who can like make jokes about Kim Batiste on the 1995 Giants, and you have to be ready for someone who knows uh, as opposed to us, who, whoa, Aaron Judge signed. When did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so. yeah. Jason, Jason texted me before the show and was like, "Hey, like, here's what we'll be talking about. Make sure you have this prepared." And I was like, "You guys know what you're gonna talk. You don't just sort of like yell at each other." And then producer Brian comes in and goes, "All right, guys, that was 45 minutes." <laughs> <laughs> Like you guys, like you come in with like facts, you know, and not just like stuff you sort of remembered seeing somewhere. Yeah, no, but uh, we have fun here, and I like to think we break up the pace. Uh, how how are you doing, generally, Andy? What are your thoughts about this wacky market? Let's just talk because the last time we talked, it was the first day of winter meetings, and so it was uh, it was um, Aaron Judge. Where's he going to sign? Maybe it's the Giants. Maybe it's maybe it's the Yankees. Uh, since then, we we've learned a little bit. So uh, give give some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, why did they have that lockout again? Like all the owners were like yes. broke or something. Yes, <laughs> like, I was are you just kidding me. 
when you said we should talk about the money that's being spent, it's like a, a year ago at this time. It's just come like, on, oh, man. Like, like uh, you know, baseball teams aren't actually profitable. I hope you understand this. And now they're just barfing up money like Barney when he drank the the coins. In the was that your episode. was that your Bill Dewitt impression right there? Baseball is <laughs> not a very profitable business. Then, uh, you right? know that that was the quote, wasn't it? That was DeWitt from the Cardinals. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, come on, man. They, they were insulting our intelligence. Everyone knew it. And then this whole offseason is almost like a winking nod to us. Like, <laughs> you were right. You got us. What a difference a year makes. Uh, you know, a year ago, like, Dansby Swanson's OPS Plus over the previous four years was like 88. And uh, Tom Ricketts was talking about losses of biblical proportions, and then Swanson goes has an incredible platform year, and he's getting 177 million. You know, things can change. I guess we can talk more about the the fun stuff first, but I I just Dansby Swanson was the one that I circled from the beginning of the offseason that I would stay far away from. A good player gonna help your team next year does a lot of things right uh statistically both offensively and defensively reminds me a little bit of Brandon Crawford dude Brandon Crawford's been awesome for the Giants but as a contract as like a, a contract where you can point and say this reminds me of 2008 this is the kind of deal that reminds me of 2008 the old timey free agent signings where uh I just that there's no way that that's three years in that the Cubs are gonna be happy they signed that it's a good question. I mean, I, I think I, I had the initial sort of gut reaction to that. Uh, you know, I'm, the, I'm all right, I'm going to give away a trade secret. I do talk to people in baseball. And so I, I had some conversations with folks, you know, who I, who I respect basically being like, hey, this this contract's nuts, right? And they're like, well, look, like he's not the same player he was from 17 to 19. You know, like he he probably is going to be a three to four, maybe even five win player over, you know, the next three, four years, probably the majority of the contract. Based on what the market is, you know, saying about that sort of player, if you're a four to five win shortstop, like, hey, then it's kind of fair. I tend to not want to bet on guys before they've done it two years in a row, right? I want to have it proven to me. So I would have stayed away, I guess. Um, if you're the Cubs, right, you got to do something. They very clearly were not willing to go to the heights and the links that it would take to sign Correa and Bogarts and Turner, right? Those uh, like two 11-year deals and a 13-year deal, um, you know, decade-long commitments, right? However you want to parcel up the AAV, but decade-long commitments. So, you know, they get a, a, a pretty good player who, you know, I think the contract could work out. I just, for me, it's like, I yeah, I need to see a little bit longer of a track record offensively before I'd want to commit that sort of money. But we'll see. He had a, He was really good last year. I guess if you are uh, dumbing it down for someone dumb like me, uh, Gold Glove shortstop who will be 29 next year, he hits 25 homers a year. That sounds like a pretty freaking good player. So Tim Britton, who did free agent projections at the start of the offseason, if you haven't looked at him, they've been pretty pretty doggone good for, for these things. right? You're, no one's ever going to be perfect doing them. But he had Dansby Swanson at seven years, $168 million. What did he miss by like a million and a quarter on the AAV? Yeah, he missed by about a million, just a hair about over a million bucks on the AAV, but like got the years and was pretty much on in the ballpark. So yeah, like, you know, he missed, he was a little bit under, obviously. So I guess that's the effect of the market being a little bit crazy. But this is a guy that, you know, was going to get a deal like this coming off that season. I, I just find it odd that 
you know, the Cubs have been under pressure to spend money, right? Their fan base has been going nuts. I'm not sure this is the dude that I would have guessed was the one to get the bag from them, right? When they finally come back to spending, was Dansby Swanson and my top five guys I'd think would be there? I, I You know, I'm not sure. Good player coming off a great year. You know, he's going to be a good defensive player for a while, so that's good. But yeah, I guess I look at that and I'm a little bit surprised that that was the guy that they extended for. It lets you know that they had money lying around. Put it that way, right? Like, they had the ability. Uh, it just comes down to, you know, like... So I've had a couple people ask me, like, hey, like, you know, the Correa contract, the Bogarts contract, the Turner contract, you know, like, which rank them, you know? Like, how, how do you feel about the contracts? And I'm just sort of like, they're the same. They're the same. They're crazy, right? Like, they're, they're too long. They're too much money. But it's about getting the player. So this is what it takes to get the player. And then it's just a matter of... Who do you, which player do you like the best? You know, I would go Correa, Bogarts, Turner. Uh, I could be argued uh, that Turner is better than Bogarts, but I feel pretty, you know, confident that Correa is the best of the three. But like, it, this is what it takes to get the player because that's what the market is dictating, you know? I feel like evaluating like, you know, 11 years for this guy versus 13 years for this guy. No, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big AAV spread out over a decade. What's the, you know, what's 5 million between billionaires? What do you think Boris would have taken for Correa last year? I, you know, he had the pillow contract with the Twins. The lockout is looming. Or I guess, no, I, he signed after the lockout, right? Boris was hired during the lockout, I oh, believe. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Or, uh, because Correa was represented by, I believe, WME heading into the lockout. It's been reported that he turned down 10 for 275 from Detroit. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it as would he would Scott Boris have last year signed a fourteen year deal that was what what did he get thirty this year thirty five plus three fifty would he take it fourteen uh, three ninety five Yeah, he would have signed that last year. <laughs> sure, but would he have signed for less? Like was was all the posturing before the lockout after the lockout did it cost? Would him? ten of would ten of three hundred gotten it done? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I do think we're making fun of the owners. They did actually, like, they can all afford it, but they did actually have fans in the stands this year. So, like, that does make it more likely that they would spend. Um, so that's that's certainly part of why they're a little more exuberant. And the CBA is set, and you know what the rules are, and the CBA didn't really change anything for the owners. It's still great to own a baseball team. I um, can't remember, and maybe you guys do, but I can't an off-season where the major free agents, pretty much all of them, are off the board by Christmas. Like, when was the last time that happened? Because there's always been some stragglers, right? We've Even in recent years, we've complained that, oh my God, it's already spring training and, and there are dudes still out there that are good players, that are multi-year deal type players. I mean, when you look at the board now, like, the mega deal guys, they're gone. Every last one of them, right? Am I forgetting somebody? I don't think so. No, I mean... Uh, our our teammate Jason Stark always does that, like uh, the all unemployed team around this time. And you know, in previous years, be like, wow, they got Manny Machado at third base, right. oh, and Bryce, Bryce Harper, Harper and right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'm looking at it this year, and this was like earlier this week, and it was like, well, you know, I like Justin Turner and JD Martinez. Like those guys are still <laughs> still good hitters, but it's a little different. Yeah. If you sur uh, sort the FanGraphs crowdsourcing AAV right, so before the season or before the offseason, the FanGraphs readers say, I think this player's going to get this contract. If you sort by the highest AAV, uh, the top player is Nathan Eovaldi. And next, uh, Gene Segura, Michael Conforto, Corey Kluber, 
Elvis Andrews. Wow, he's still in the league. Good for him. Uh, Brandon Drury. You know what I mean? Like that is a real tour of 2014 baseball. <laughs> right, right. I mean, Elvis, I joke. Elvis Andrews had a surprisingly strong season. You know, so he w- he will help a team. But that's it. If you are coming to it late and you are a team that. Uh, was sort of waiting the market out. Uh, enjoy your Michael Walker. You know that that's what you got. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's life as the Boston Red Sox right now, right? Uh, or the Dodgers, man. Like the the Dodgers, like we talk about them a lot. Uh, not exactly sure what they're trying to accomplish, other than resetting the luxury tax and disappointing their fans when Shohei Otani signs with the Mets next year. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what. I'm not totally sure what they're doing. Uh, I will but. say I like J.D. Martinez for them. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. But you know what? I am looking at their lineup, their projected lineup, and unless I'm missing someone who's hurt, it's not quite the same. Where you, you Betts, Freeman, Smith, Muncie, now J.D. Martinez. Okay, like that's a hell of a start. Right. All right, it's a five-man lineup. All right, let's go. Then it's Gavin Lux. Okay. (laughs) Trace Thompson, Chris Taylor, Mm. James Outman. You know what I mean? And I guess there's this sense that they will figure it out. Uh, They have Jason Hayward on a minor league deal. They're going to fix him and and get him back to a $200 million player. But yeah, and then you've got Syndergaard. You you have May. There's concerns there for different reasons. You're right. It's... Is it a 100-win team? Yeah, probably. But is it the right. kind that could be a 115-win team? I'm not so sure anymore. You know what? That Noah Syndergaard signing could be really, really valuable when all is said and done. And, and that's going to I, – I, that one – and he said it in his presser the other day, right? Like, you know, he alluded to sort of the, the Dodgers' track record of, of bringing in guys like him and helping them figure some things out. There is something about Noah Syndergaard that got lost in all that nonsense persona of his, and that is this dude has an aptitude for learning, all right? Like, I, I think that if there is a bet for someone who, you know, he's never going to throw that hard again probably and all that stuff, but a dude who might figure it out in the right place, Noah Syndergaard's up there for me. I, I actually like that sighting. It was very interesting. Um, that's where, where he landed, and those are the folks that took a shot at him, so – or on him, rather. So that, I think that's interesting. It could be one that you know we talk about later, or it could be like a complete non-factor, and I'm an idiot. Before the offseason starts, if you're asking me, well, who do you think the Dodgers will sign? I don't know. I just know it'll be a good idea. Like, that's how I feel. Tyler Anderson broke me. Tyler Anderson, I watched <laughs> Tyler Anderson pitch. Uh, he's a fine pitcher. He's a workmanlike pitcher. Uh, the Dodgers weaponized him. And if you can weaponize Tyler Anderson... Whoever you sign, it's it's a brilliant move. And Noah Syndergaard, extra scary because the clay that you're working with is uh, better clay than than most artists have. And so, yeah, it's it's going to work. Why wouldn't it work? It's freaking Tyler Anderson. Well, Tyler Anderson has an elite changeup. Sure, he has a he. Yeah, well, Noah Syndergaard doesn't. Right, Noah Syndergaard's thing was velocity. Right, he threw hard. So, well, now see, this is what I mean, though. I, he did. He oh, did, wait, but hit, he's hit, got on, great hit command. Hit the bell. Hit the bell. Man. Great command. Like and and like, that's what I meant by aptitude. Also, I think it was very easy to get lost. And oh, he throws hard. I mean, he had a game where he hit 101 on the radar gun and hit a 425 foot home run in the same game. All right, like th- this is a guy that did some freakish things. But I think the things he did best were things that just sort of look past 
command, as Grant said. I mean, this guy commands his pitches. And so it's good clay, again, to use Grant's saying, but I'm not talking about velocity. I'm talking about the other stuff. And I think that's interesting. He threw 98. Now he throws 93. Like spotted 98 is better than spotted 93. So I'm not saying it's necessarily it's not going to work, but like, you know, Anderson had a weapon that the Dodgers maximized after the Giants, by the way, had, you know, unlocked some of it, uh, you know, Andrew Heaney with his slider usage, like I would be, you know, Syndergaard shifted to throwing more of a two seamer this past year. Uh, he still seems to be like, obviously he's in great physical shape. Obviously he's a tremendous competitor, all that sort of stuff. But it's just like, I tend to be skeptical when guys talk about getting back velo versus like, you know, he's going to develop a slider, you know, make a slider more. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Whatever. Yeah, I don't think he's going to develop velo. I think they're going to like maximize the fact that he can spot his pitches and like has, I think, above average ability to sort of figure stuff out, you know, because like and I've seen it with him. Like it's, again, very easy to get lost because the other stuff was so flashy, but good student and understands himself. And yeah, like the command was always lost in in that guy's like repertoire and, and he's got it. So I think I'm intrigued by that part of it more than anything else. I think it's great that the Dodgers will now have Cinderguard and Gingerguard. That's yes. uh, that's exciting. That sort of symmetry, I I really think that that's important in baseball to go for uh, the kind of vibes and the yucks. Uh, I've, I've <laughs> talked about it before. The Giants should have signed Zach Wheeler because they traded him away to get Carlos Beltran, mm. and it would have been funny. But also would have made baseball sense. And you know what? Zach Wheeler would have been awesome for them in their current situation. So always go for the yucks. And it'll probably work out. That's why the Giants should uh, sign Taylor Rogers to pair with his twin brother, Tyler, because it's funny and it's cool. And that's baseball runs on vibes. Have we learned nothing from the Phillies? <laughs> like sure the, 20, the 2022 Phillies were the most vibes-based pennant oh, winner. Man. I mean, the 2014 Royals were very vibes big. Maybe like, since the 93 Phillies, honestly. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, vi- yeah, when harnessed, vibes are a powerful weapon. Yeah, I, the Giants, uh, I've told this story uh, 50 times, but the Giants had a reliever named Mike Stanton, and he left to go to the Reds, and they got a compensatory pick, draft pick for him, and in that range, that uh, supplemental first round range, there was a prospect, uh, Mike Stanton, who is now Giancarlo Stanton. How do you not draft Mike Stanton for the draft pick you got for Mike Stanton based on vibes alone? And uh, that's the reason the Giants weren't successful after 2008, 2009. Grant, is this something that you've written or you're just recalling for this purpose? Or is this just rattling around in your head and you're able to just sort of retrieve it on command however you'd like? Always on command as far as like the, That's the vibes. That's really impressive. It, well, I mean, just I mentioned it on Twitter. Like it, it's almost like a running gag uh, on Twitter. Just uh, it's one of those things. It's bugged me since the day. The day it happened, I'm looking at the draft. It's like, you have to do this. I don't know anything about this guy. He's six foot 13 and he's huge. And I don't know how that's going to translate, but uh, you should get him because it's funny. And I stand by that. That's my overarching philosophy. Uh, owners, hire me. I would work in baseball ops. <laughs> hey, Grant, speaking of oversized players for their positions, uh, how do you feel about the Giants uh, missing out on a very large right fielder, but acquiring a very large shortstop? 
I do think Judge made the most sense for the Giants based on what they were looking for right now. They're not necessarily thinking about 2037. They're not thinking about down the road that far. They're looking for, and I've used this on both my podcasts, uh, butts in the seats, and they're looking for excitement. They're looking for, we did this, ta-da, like come on down. And that would have been a hell of a ta-da. And it didn't happen. And after it didn't happen, because I think Judge knew, if not in September, if not in May, he didn't go into this offseason going like, gosh, I I just can't make up my mind. I think he knew. <laughs> I think he, and that, that was always the thing, right? He might have said, well, I know, but it's going to be the Giants because I miss California because I want to be close to my family because I, I always dreamed of it. Those were legitimate reasons. And so the Giants shouldn't feel stupid for thinking he might go back to them, but it was never going to happen. And so after Judge signed, I had this uh, week-long drought of writing words. Like, okay, so Sean Manaya, <clears throat> solid move. The offseason still could be an F or it could be an A if they signed Correa. Who knows? And then Ross Stripling, <clears throat> good move. The offseason still could be an F or it could be. And so it's like <laughs> you, you're in this limbo and they signed Correa. I think Correa is just a fantastic player. He's young. He fits. Uh, the Giants aren't going to have to extend anyone other than Logan Webb. They're going to have contract uh, space for a long, 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 long time. So go for it. I mean, you th- the Giants aren't thinking about 2037, but they've you know, got a player signed through then, don't they? No. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Is that halfway through Correa's contract? Is twenty thirty seven? I mean, he's got like five more after that, right? I mean, I will be eighty three years old when his contract ends. I will. uh, I'll be wearing adult diaper. Oh, more so uh, when his contract. Think about (laughs) think about how many pre arb players the Atlanta Braves will have extended by the time that Carlos Correa (laughs) is finished with his contract with the Giants. They got Michael Harris the fourth locked up like already. Yeah, they'll they'll be uh, you know they'll be on that, and uh, Rob Manfred will still be saying we cannot do expansion until we sort out the stadium situation in Oakland and Tampa Bay <laughs> in twenty forty or whenever that deal ends. <laughs> yeah, I will be uh, I'll be forty eight years old. Yeah, that'll yeah. be fun. That'll yeah, be fun. Listen, I'm I'm 45. Uh, so, <laughs> like I'm basically so, there. Yeah, uh, I I'll, I will be three years older than Grant is now. That's horrifying. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, look, <laughs> freaking wasting away over here. Uh, have do you grunt when you like pick a pen up off the floor? Like, are you already at the grunting when you're picking something oh, off yeah. stage? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a very like noisy mover arounder. Yeah, but then you're already I got fucked. a lot of. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the demarcation <laughs> line. If you, you oh, there's my there's my key. <clears throat> like, then you're done. Dude, dude, my foot's hurt for a week. I have no idea how it happened. I don't think it's ever going away. You know what <laughs> it mean. is, Mark. No, you know I, still, exa- I don't. I thought it was that. I don't think it is. Have you gone to it's see the li- doctor? Well, no, I don't need a. I got Wikipedia. Yes, you do. No, you I actually do Wikipedia. need a doctor. No, you do Wikipedia. need a doctor to prescribe you medicine for gout. I have gout. You're not looking up War of the Roses. You're Wikipedia. At what? least use WebMD. Oh, whatever. Same difference. Same difference. It's all made up anyway. Hell. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash theathletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. All right. All right. Let's get back on track. Uh, Xander Bogarts to the Padres. Uh, that kind of surprised me. And yet, you know, AJ Preller in a Lotus position, levitating off the ground. You don't know what he's going to do. I like Bogarts as a player a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. That is the contract where I, when I'm thinking about the offseason, I'm thinking, okay, Correa's up here and Turner's right behind him. If you can sneak in and get Bogarts, you know, for a substantial discount compared to those, that's going to be the buy of the offseason. There was no substantial discount. I like the player. Uh, that contract surprised me. He's 30. 
Yeah, I think uh, if you were theoretically the Dodgers and you were trying to get an elite player on the Dansby Swanson contract, it might you might have been thinking like, hey, maybe Bogarts will be around at you know six for one sixty or something like that. Uh, and apparently, apparently that's what the Red Sox seem to think as mm-hmm. well, because <laughs> uh, they you know uh, biffed that one. But yeah, eleven years, two hundred eighty million. Yeah, it's a lot, you know. However, that's what it takes to get the player. San Diego very clearly wants insurance for both Manny Machado theoretically opting out, whatever becomes of Fernando Tatis in the coming years. And also, they, like, Peter Seidler is, like, pot committed at this point to trying to run down the Dodgers. And, you know, he's talked about slaying the dragon up the freeway. They were able to do it in the playoffs last year, um, but they haven't even really come close in the regular season. I think going into 2023, like, they are the pick to win the West as of right now. I mean, mean, look, I'll probably pick the Dodgers still, right? Because I'll just sort of bet on their organizational depth or whatever. But, like, if you're going through the lineups, if you're going through the rotations, uh, not the bullpens. Who cares about bullpens? Uh, But if you're going through, like, the rotation and the lineups, you probably – pick the Padres and you know it's a it's a credit to Seidler for authorizing AJ Preller to you know find see a hole at first base and fill it with a shortstop you know they've got these sort of interlocking interweaving you know deals Machado and Tatis and Bogarts uh, and you know by the way they still have Juan Soto so it's uh it's intriguing that I mean it was it was not surprising if only because it had been reported for a couple weeks like that they, this is what San Diego was looking to do. They offered Trey Turner. I think it was three forty-two. They were very. They were like kind of caught off guard, but very excited to be a sudden entrant into the Judge race. And then when that closed off, it's like, hey, we got all this. We got this pile of money here. Like, who's left? Hey, Xander Bogarts. All right, let's do it. I will push back a little bit on the lineup because I'm looking at the lineup now and you have to preface this with uh, Fernando Tatis is coming back at some point. But the lineup as of now is Hassan Kim, uh, Juan Soto, Amanda Machado, Xander Bogarts, solid, right? You've got, you, you've nailed your, your first four. Then you've got Jake Cronenworth playing first base, perhaps hitting fifth. Okay. Austin Nola hitting six. Trent Grisham. Roster resource has Luis Campusano. And then Jose Azucar in left hitting ninth. Again, players who could work out. There's talented. Uh, there's talent there. There are reasons to think they could work. But this isn't what the Dodgers were throwing out there last year, where at the end of the lineup, you're like, how is this guy hitting eighth? Like, it was bananas. I don't think they have that yet. A little bit of offseason left. Maybe they get Conforto. Maybe they make some wacky sixteen trade. Yeah, they just they just signed Matt Carpenter for what it's worth. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't bet fifteen homers on that, but they did just sign Matt Carpenter. All right, yeah, you know that that, that could work. So, uh, like, a, a, not a bad lineup, uh, not a dominant lineup to me yet. Uh, I still think the Dodgers have a tiny edge. But if you look at the nerd stats, the projected WAR for both rosters, I think the Padres grade out better as of right now. Yeah, I mean, the only reason you would say that you favor that Dodgers lineup is you think Betts and Freeman are better than Machado and Soto or Machado and Bogarts or whatever. Because it's a, it's like a it's a two-man lineup, right? Will Smith's a good player. Max Muncy has been a good player, uh, not 
relatively recently. Um, but like, and then after that, it really falls off. But you're basically saying, you know, Betts and Freeman, uh, who you could argue are the two best players in the league, uh, you know, the National League. I don't know, maybe uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt would argue with that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're like two of the best. It's just as uh, shallow, but it has more star power. Like, they have three stars and they have Tatis coming back. Now, what is Tatis going to be? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think that's been Preller's sort of MO throughout this is like getting stars, you know, like, like, hey, you want to build a, a, a bullpen by committee? Well, I'm going to go trade for Josh Hader, you know, like, <laughs> hey, you want to put a platoon in right field? Well, I'm going to go get Juan Soto. Like he's like so, he's like getting solutions. Now, the 15 through 26 of the roster, probably I'd favor the Dodgers, but like one to 15, I would probably go with the Padres. I love this discussion of which team is better. Hinges on two guys who should still be playing for the Boston Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what the hell are we doing? Like, I mean, Mookie Betts and Xander Bogart should not be playing in LA and San Diego, respectively. They should be playing in Boston. And, and like, you know, these Red Sox fans who are just furious ought to be. They ought to be furious. This is ridiculous. And and they, you know, we're talking about Bogarts. You know, they screw that up in spring training, right? Like the, those extension talks were an absolute disaster. And then, you know, now they're trying to put out this narrative. Oh, we, we really wanted this guy. We really love this guy. Really? They're $60 million outbid. Like, give me a break. You know, like, what are they doing up there? I, I just, I don't get it. He signed that extension, that mini sort of extension that bought out one of his free agency years. That to me says, I want to be here. That to me says, you know what? I like where I'm at. I like this whole vibe. This is great. I don't think this is a situation where it's a Boris client and he has to test the market or it's, uh, you know, he he's he's finally a free agent. He's going to go around and he's going to he's waited a long time for this. I don't get that vibe from him. I think if the Red Sox at any point were fair and by any point, I'm talking going back to 2018 where they can maybe get him on one of those Braves deals and just lock him up for a long, long time. I think he would have been amenable to that. So, uh, man, the Red Sox. I just last podcast I, I went through the ages of the Red Sox on the on the World Series championship 18, team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it, they were all so young. You just expect that sort of team to go on forever. I have no idea what they're doing. Right. Well they couldn't they couldn't have gotten Bogarts on a Braves deal per se, but they had him on a relatively team friendly deal. Like he had already taken he'd already had some free agency bought out in that extension that he signed. Now, there was an opt-out, right? And he opted out or made very clear he was going to opt out. I believe what the Globe reported was like he would have been amenable to something similar to the Altuve deal, which is 5-150-ish thereabouts, which also, by the way, was negotiated by Scott Boris, who is his representative. Like some of this is Monday morning quarterbacking. But at the end of the day, like even if it took – 11 years 280 to sign Xander Bogarts. The Red Sox can afford that. Like right. they're the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> they're the Red Sox. <laughs> they're the Red Sox. Like you can argue like look, we can sit here, you know, all day and be like 9 years 360 million for a 31-year-old player who has struggled with injuries, who's bigger than any human being who's ever played this position before, like who his defensive utility is only going to drop, who's strikeout prone, like are you crazy? Yeah, well, I want Aaron Judge on my team. I'm Hal Steinbrenner. I'm paying what it costs. I don't like that that's what it costs, but that's what it costs. 
you know, hey, this sort of number two, number three starter who uh, a couple years ago was DFA'd and, you know, has a history of injury and has had two pretty good seasons. I want him on my team. Well, that costs six years and 160 million or whatever it was for Rodon. Like, that's what the market is. And it's one thing if you are in the position where you're a team like the Dodgers who can always say no because you've built up this this talent pipeline, you have enough players locked up, you've won the various deals where you can roll into the season knowing, hey, we're going to win 92 games and maybe we'll win 102 if we augment here, here, and here. If you're the Red Sox, you were in last place. You're in last place in the toughest division. There's not a wave coming. Like, they just seem so caught in between on everything. Like, on everything. They're getting outbid for, like, Zach Eflin and Tommy Con, like it's just weird. Like what? You're the Red Sox. Yeah, the Zach Eflin one. Holy cow! The Red Sox made two hundred and eighty million dollars last year on Gerald Sot- Jared Saltalamachia jerseys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like they they are <laughs> yeah, printing yeah. money. Like they are just they they sell two hundred eighty million in Johnny Gomes merchandise every year. And yeah, so <laughs> there's no excuse. But here's the thing, and like it's so having covered the Yankees for all that time, and like you're always if you cover the Yankees, you're watching the Red Sox too, obviously. It's just interesting to me, right? Because like the Yankees haven't won a World Series since 09, and in that time, what Boston's got three, but the Yankees never missed the playoffs or ever have a losing season in that time, and the Red Sox do this the up and down, right? They're in a down period, and so Yankee people, like when you talk to them, they get it drives them nuts because it's like. Yeah, like we're trying to win a World Series. Like we we put a team on the field every year that could win a World Series and it hasn't happened. But like, would you rather have this or that? And that being this up and down cycle with Boston. It's just a kind of interesting, right? Like, I mean, because they've won World Series championships and yet look at their fan base. Because, you know, it made me think of, well, Andy, you're talking about Carlos Radon and, and Aaron Judge and the Yankees basically just paying the price. And the Red Sox very much not. Right. Like it's it's such an interesting comparison between the two teams. And, you know, I, I kind of wonder what fans would want there. I mean, obviously you want to win world championships, but like, you know, the way that these teams sort of like operate and the consistency or in Boston's case, the lack thereof, I think is also an interesting factor. When you look at contracts like Bogarts and you say this player is worth X amount of dollars because he's expected to produce X amount of war. And you, here's the baseball reason. When you're the Red Sox, keeping your homegrown guy, there's a value on top of that dollars per war. And it's, it's we're talking about vibes. And it's also, it's the vibes of the fan base. If you're the Red Sox, you should tell your fans we are the kind of franchise that keeps Mookie Betts around. We are the kind of franchise that keeps Xander Bogarts around because they're freaking good. Mookie Betts will go to the Hall of Fame and he's going to do it. And he's going to play for the Red Sox for 20 years like Yastrzemski, like Ted Williams. This is our guy. That's part of the compact. That's the bargain that they have with their fans. When you are a large market team that sells $300 million in Saltel Machia jerseys, you have that compact with your fans saying, yeah, don't worry about it. We're the freaking Red Sox. And I feel like that's been broken a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and to an extent, that's what the Yankees have done this winter. The problems with the Yankees going into the postseason last year and in the second half were uh, the problems that have kind of plagued the team for quite some time, which is um, a little bit too reliant on older, creakier, injury-prone players, 
maybe a little too right-handed and uh, strikeout prone in the lineup. And the Yankees looked at this and just were like, yeah, we're going to run it back. Uh, We're going to give you (laughs) pretty close to the exact same team with Carlos Rodon. But we're going to sign Aaron Judge. We are not going to allow Aaron Judge to play for another team. We are going to be good again next year and, you know, we'll compete and maybe it, maybe our luck will be a little different. Now, I understand why, like, a hardcore Yankees fan would be frustrated about that, right, when you see Steve Cohen spending the sums he is. Uh, by the way, I think the Yankees have spent more this winter. But they have that, at the very least, that compact that, like, we are going to keep our face of the franchise. We're not going to let him go. You know who we are. You know who's going to be playing right heat field here for the next 10 years. I guess you'll probably be irritated in October. That's not to say they're going to, you know what I mean though? Like they're running it back essentially. And if you're the Red Sox, you can do all these flexibility things and function and optionality, all this stuff, but you can pay Devers and Bogarts and Betts. You can do both. You can do, you know, have waves and and bring in prospects. And, you know, the Yankees are doing it. The Dodgers are kind of doing it, right? Like we're they're clearing space for young players. But they're also not letting their superstars go. The Dodgers brought back Clayton Kershaw. You know, the Yankees brought back Aaron Judge. Like they're off. You at the very least understand what the identity of the team will be. I mean, Grant calls it the compact. And I think it's such a great way to put it because when I think of Carlos Rodon signing with the Yankees, this is about fulfilling your contract with the fans. And was, because we're talking about ranking the shortstop deals. Well, look at these pitching deals, right? The Rodon signing to me is like terrifying. Like So at the winter meetings, you know, despite the fact I haven't stepped foot in a ballpark this decade, I still talk to people in baseball too. And, you know, as we know, all these teams have their own risk assessments that they run, right? So I asked one of these guys that I know on a club, like, hey, when you guys did your risk assessment, how did Carlos Rodon come out? He goes 99th percentile injury risk, as in is going to miss multiple months. Like, it's just book it, all right? And so the Yankees do this too. They know that. And yet, <laughs> and, yet and yet, here we are. So when, when you talk about a contact, uh, uh, you know, a compact and sort of like fulfilling that obligation in a way to your fans, right? That bargain, that's the contract to me that says it. All right. Yes, obviously, Aaron Judge is a massive investment. They had to do that. Okay. I think following it up with this extraordinarily risky deal. And by the way, Carlos Rodon's a great pitcher. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah, no, but like, let's we're, we're you know, pro player here. Yeah, we we're, yeah. This is a pro labor podcast, pro child labor podcast as well. <laughs> now, like, but look, this is a to me that is the most massive risk of all of them. Even like, I would even put Degrom in that category. Like Rodon to me is a bigger risk. But anyway, you know, that's the one that in my mind when Grant you're talking about the bargain, that's the guy. That's the Yankees. Because when I was following the Giants growing up, it was uh, we can have Will Clark or Robbie Thompson. You can't have both because we're the Giants. We're playing candlestick. It's a concrete latrine. Like it's just not going to work. And you, we, we have to trade Matt Williams. We can't have Barry Bonds and Matt Williams. We have to trade Matt Williams. <laughs> There's just no way. And that's how I was brought up and I understood baseball. And then at some point it shifts and it's like no one's getting Matt Cain. We are keeping Matt Kane. No one's getting Buster Posey. We're going to extend him for eight years, nine years. Uh, no one's getting Crawford, Belt. That is the compact with the Giants. The Giants shouldn't be able to out Red Sox the Red Sox. And if I am Raphael Devers' agent, 
how much leverage do they have? Because the Red Sox have to sign Devers to a billion dollar contract now. They are they can't let Devers go, but I also think they might. Grant, here's my counter. Says who? <laughs> they just let Xander Bogarts go. They traded Mookie Betts. Yeah. Like, no, oh, they can't let him go. What what are fans gonna be mad? I think they can't do it based on people who pronounce a bad word fakin. You know, like the people who say Facken, they want Devers back. They have to have him. And I agree with them. I am uh, pro labor and I am pro Boston weirdos. I think clearly the ownership group in Boston is playing this exactly how they've got to play it. Or they want to play it rather like this is exactly what they want to do. But the beautiful thing about having like team presidents and general managers is that they get to step out there and sort of take the heat for you. So Heim Bloom is just like a really well compensated pinata right now. Okay, like he's getting crushed because he's now the guy who not only traded Mookie Betts, but let Xander Bogarts walk and maybe lets you know Rafael Devers walk. And it's like, yeah, that's what the money's for. Right. Like he's getting this is what, you know, he's getting paid to go take these this heat. He's the Roger Goodell. I mean, right. Clearly, this is what the Boston Red Sox ownership group wants to happen. This is the level they want to play in. But like they don't have to deliver that message. Heim Bloom does. And, And he is, you know, and he is and he's getting crushed for it as he should. But like it's just sort of like. Yeah, and it was like the fan fan base up there is mad, and they're, and they're looking at this guy. But really, you know, just like anything else in sports, it's about the ownership, and this is what the ownership wants. Period. Multiple things can be true. Like you can argue, and it has been you know pointed out relentlessly that Heimblum has kind of biffed it on some of these moves, right? But the GM does not sign these deals. These are ownership deals. All of them. Justin Verlander in his conversation or in his press conference today with the Mets. Why did you believe in the Mets? And all he said was Steve. Steve going. He's the one who does it. Hal Steinbrenner's the one who makes the final phone call to Aaron Judge. You know, like Peter Seidler, while uh, AJ Preller, I think, is probably getting more credit because, um, you know, he's just like, as you said, levitating above the ground and doing that. <laughs> That's because. Seidler is the wind beneath his levitation. Seidler's, you know, using the money to, like, uh, you know, raise him in the air. By the way, by the way, producer Brian just uh, had a great idea. Uh, Rafael Devers, uh, first baseman for the San Diego Padres on opening day <laughs> when <laughs> Preller trades. Lord knows who's still in his farm system. If there's any, whoever they took in the first round last year will be, uh, you know, Boston Red Sox and Devers. Oh. Will, they'll finally have a first baseman and Crony can go back to being a utility guy. But yeah, like the GMs, they don't make these deals. They offer recommendations. You know, they have to be the public face of it. That's what the money is for, as Mark said. But, like, it's the owners. Like, you go, like Scott Boris, for as much as, you know, he's kind of like a comedic figure in some ways, you know, and, and he, more than almost anyone in the sport, really furthered and, like, got it into the public eye that these are ownership decisions. There was, like, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people would say, oh, that GM doesn't like long contracts or, like, that GM doesn't like spending on players. And Boris was like, owners. Owners make these decisions. And it's it's sort of, like, we figured that out now. Um, and you see it, like, in, you know, in, in the conversations that the players talk about. Oh, I talked to John Middleton. I talked to, you know, whomever. I talked to Steve Cohen. Like, so the Red Sox owners have done... Uh, an excellent job of sort of avoiding 
<laughs> avoiding the blame on it. Dude, and, and Andy, to your point, and this is a Scott Boris thing too. Remember, every time like there'd be some kind of perceived impasse on contracts, what's he doing? Calling the owner and then telling everybody in the world about it. So like, you know, it's with Scott's always known the score. It's probably why he's good at his job, right? I mean, it's you go to the owners. It's the owners. It's always about the owners. A few years ago, I mentioned this. I was like, you know, you really like were influential in sort of explaining this concept. And you started laughing at me. He was like, who do you think signs the checks? And I'm like, yeah, that's a great point, man. Wow. That's, <laughs> hold on. Let, me, let me write that down. <sighs> If you are a Boston Red Sox fan or partisan uh, and you're chewing glass right now, let me just say I like uh, Masataka Yoshida. I think he is a fantastic player. I think he will win your heart over. Uh, he had in the, the NPB, he had two walks for every strikeout. He is a freakish kind of hitting talent. I am all on board for that. But <clears throat> he traded away Mookie Betts because he can't afford it. What are you doing? <laughs> look at their lineup and Justin Turner's hitting cleanup in their projected lineup. What? All right. Turner's still a good player. I don't know. Hey, no, no, hey, he's, he, won he the, is good. He's not he, clean up for the Red Sox good. Your guy won the presser. Like yeah, Yoshida, like uh, he um, was speaking English and in the presser and like was cracking jokes, as I recall. I love that guy, man. I, I think he he's limited defensively. But I, he's going to be a storyline next year. That's just my own uh, hot take. So, Well, there you go. You got something to look forward to. All right. This has been episode 35. 35, that's Rich Aurelia's number. That's the number Aaron Judge wore because Rich Aurelia was his idol growing up. I just had to fold that in there because that was why Judge was going to sign with the Giants. Um Wow, this is the most awkward outro I've ever done. It but turns out the number should have been 40, which was the AAV <laughs> that he ended up getting. When did you first hear AAV? It feels like that's one of those things like uh, gaslighting where it's all of a sudden it's it's everywhere. And AAV, it, were we talking about AAV in 2013? Maybe. I, I'm asking like honestly. No, I think it became it prevalent when, when they changed the CBA, and that's how yeah. the taxes got decided. Was it the 16? I think it was the 16 CBA, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. because, uh, yeah, there, there were contracts. It used to just be per year, like your tax figure. So teams would backload deals, like when Justin Turner signed like a $64 million deal uh, with the after the 16 season. I think his last year was $20 million. And the first year was like six, and that was to get under the tax. So good, good they, thing the teams haven't figured out a way around that one, huh, fellas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now they just now uh, now they dilute it. It's like this. Yeah, even, now uh, it's like Korea signed a twenty-five year deal. Holy crap! Yeah, their shares are more diluted than Andrew Garfield in the uh, social network. That joke bombed. <laughs> That didn't cut that. Cut that. No. no, no that's it. it. That's keep our it. outro. Keep. This has been episode 35. That's why he's the freaking that's, glue. Oh, he's the sucks. glue. He's the glue. This has been episode Good. 35. No one gets to the end of these anyway. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Their shares are more diluted than Andrew Garfield in the uh, social network.